Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, it is true that we have tasted of your goodness by your grace through faith. And Father, as we have tasted of your goodness and who you are in a relationship with you through your Son and through your Spirit, Father, we have tasted heaven itself. And God, yet we, uh, you've simply whetted our appetite for more. And God, that we do ask that you would come and you would come and that you would be king in our hearts, that you would make our hearts your throne and that you would reign in us here at Orangewood, Lord God. So Father God, we ask that you come with power. Come with power and fill this room. And God, truly reign as king and open up our ears to hear the words of a king. God, please be pleased to speak through a broken vessel, a broken sinner who desperately needs Jesus. Father, if we only hear my words, God, we will have no hope. But if we hear from you, and you open up our minds to understand from you, and you fill our hearts with awe of the King who is, the God who is, our Savior who lives, the Spirit who reigns inside of us. God, if you come with your presence and remind us of this living hope we have in Christ Jesus, we will be filled with awe. God, we ask that you would empower our feet to walk in the light of your gospel, in the light of your truth. And Father, we thank you for the hope that reigns in the reality that our Savior lives and reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. God, the things that are said that are true, make those things make us more like Jesus. The things that I say that are merely my opinion, may they quickly fall away and be forgotten. We pray that King Jesus and King Jesus alone is glorified and we receive great hope and joy. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1 as we continue our journey together in 1 Peter. Peter is calling us to stand firm, stand firm in the midst of struggle, stand firm in the midst of a a world that uh, seems to be spinning out of control. Stand firm in the midst of of persecution. And he's a man who can be able to do it. I mean, Peter's been there himself. And so we're hearing from one who knows what he's talking about. And he's going to tell us about hope. And Peter knows about hope because when Peter lost hope, when Peter called up to heaven and says, I swear to God, I don't know Jesus at all. It was Jesus himself, the resurrected Jesus that restored Peter, that brought back hope to Peter, that gave him a living hope. And now he's writing to God's people saying, you know, we we got this hope in Christ Jesus. It's a living hope because Jesus lives, our hope lives, and we'll continue to to live. This Tuesday, the Orlando Sentinel ran an article, uh, the front page article, pretty interesting. Americans spending more and saving nothing. For the first time since the Great Depression, Americans are actually spending more money than we actually have earned. And not only are we spending more money than we actually earn, we're dipping into savings or we're going into debt to spend and spend and spend. It tells us a lot about who we are, doesn't it? It tells us a lot about our mindset and, and what we think about the future. It tells us that we're, we're people who live in the here and now. We're people who, who kind of like, you know, live, love the one you're with and, and live for today. And who cares about tomorrow? We, we seem to be people with a pretty anemic view of the future. And, and yet, it's maybe it's the prosperity of the present 
that gives us this hope. It really, the article goes on to say this. It says that uh, uh, because our housing uh, um, um, worth has gone up so much and because really our assets have grown, that really there's a sense that, that if we ever get in trouble, if tomorrow really is a rainy day, that we can cash in, we can get a home equity line or do whatever we need to do. But today, spend. And tomorrow will worry about itself. Well, it was a rainy day for the people that Peter was writing to. And it was raining really hard on them. They've come to Christ and and they have this new and living hope. They've been identified as God's people. And as Peter told us last week, these are people that are aliens living in, in a world that's really not their own. And they're starting to feel like aliens because they're being persecuted and some are dying. And they thought, man, we signed up for Jesus and we're really, really suffering. What's going on here? And it's Peter who's saying... Not only are you an alien, you're just passing through here, but you're chosen in your mind. And what Peter's going to do, and what we really need to hear today, is Peter's going to, once again, he's going to say, let me tell you who you are in Christ. Let me show you a picture of Jesus. And let me show you the reality of who you are in Christ. And it's going to give you a living hope. It's going to give you a living hope for today. Because in Peter's day, there were those who would gather and those who would hurt, just like in our day. And just like in this room right here, there are those who are suffering and those who desperately need hope. Peter has an answer for us, and it's Jesus. And he's going to point us again, and he's going to remind us of who we are in Christ. But this hope that we have in Christ is such good news. There's hope for tomorrow. And we do have a future that's secure in Christ Jesus. And that is what Peter is reminding us today, that we have hope, a living hope. We're going to read verses 3 through 5 of chapter 1 today, and it's, It's my hero Spurgeon who calls these three verses in Scripture a string of pearls. He calls them a a chest full of treasure. He calls them a diamond necklace as he reads these uh, words of God's holy Scripture. Read read along with me silently, if you will, in 1 Peter 1. And this is really a prayer. This is is Peter's prayer, a doxology to the God who is. Reading God's word together in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray together. Father, there are truths here that are so deep that we don't have time or resources to plummet the depths. But God, for your glory, just come and open our eyes to see the truth. And may the truth set us free. And may the truth motivate us. Father, receive glory and give us joy, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The first thing we see that Peter tells us is that we have a living hope for today. Throughout time, God's people have been a people who have been called to have hope. God has come to people of faith like us, people that God graciously moves in their lives. He says, listen, I'm going to be your God and the God of, of your ancestors. And we've always been a people that had hope in this God and hope that there was more stuff to come. We look at God's people, there were people who were in hope that God would lead them to a promised land. There were people who were hope that God would deliver them from slavery. 
They were people in hope that God would provide for them a Messiah, someone to set them free from sin. There were people that lived in hope that God would provide a prophet who was even greater than Moses. There were people that lived with hope that God would provide a priest that was even greater than Aaron. There were people that lived in hope that God would provide a king that was even greater than David. There were people that hoped that that there would be a virgin that would give birth to a child and, and this child would have the government resting on his shoulders. There were people that were hoping that God would come as Emmanuel. There were people that were hoping that the suffering servant would come and heal them and set them free. And we live as people with hope that that have the reality by God's grace that all that hope, all the hope of God's people is met in the person of Jesus Christ. And the hope that we have longed for through time is realized and all the promises are realized through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And that is the living hope that we have today and the living hope that Peter points us to. And it's because of that living hope that Peter, as early in his letter, just can't help but jump up and down and say, bless God, blessed be to God. And look at what he says about God. He says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting note, what is Peter doing? Well, Peter's doing what he's going to call us to do. Last week, we looked at the reality that at one time we weren't God's people, that God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And why did he call us? We look and we realize in Peter, he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light to proclaim. To proclaim the reality that God is great. To proclaim the reality that God lives. To proclaim the reality that we have hope in him. So what is Peter doing? He's doing that which he told us to do. He is proclaiming God's greatness right here. And he's saying, blessed be the God of, uh, our, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, throughout time, God's people want to be connected to their God. Makes sense, doesn't it? And God would come and he would reveal himself to our forefathers. And then those who would come after them would say, you know, blessed be the God, the God of our father Abraham, the God of our father Isaac, the God of our father Jacob. Blessed be the God of Israel. And they really wanted a connection. They want to be able to say, this is a great God, and somehow I want to be connected to this great God. Somehow I want to receive blessing from this great God. And maybe there's an ancestral, uh, a, a ancestral trait that can run all the way through that I can receive blessings too. But Peter tells us something that's unbelievable. Orange, we've we got to hear this. He tells us something that is so incredible. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father, not of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not the Father of Israel, not the Father, the, 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 the Lord and God of our fathers, like Ezra would say. Listen, we have access to God through His Son, Jesus, our Lord. All that God has promised, all that God has promised to His people and a covenant promise has been secured to us in a covenant-keeping God, His Son, Jesus. All that God wants to reveal about Himself is revealed through Jesus. The only access that we will ever have to this God who created all things, the God who is this wonderful covenant God, is His covenant-keeping Son. And Peter knows it. He says to us, listen, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because through Jesus Christ, God has been opened up. The veil has been torn in two. We now have access to the God of the universe. 
We now can come before him and not just come before him and worship him, but through Jesus Christ, we have obtained all of God's covenant blessings. Paul knew this. It's why Paul would write in the letter of the Ephesians in Ephesians 1.3 that said this, In Christ we have all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. In Christ Jesus we have access to the Father. In Christ Jesus we have new life. And so Paul, with just his doxology of praise, says, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord. Ours. It's ours. Through, by God's grace, through faith, Jesus Christ. Oh, what living hope we have. Think about it. Can you articulate this praise? Has God worked such a miracle in your life that we don't have to say we have some connection by those who've gone before us, but we are connected to God by God's Son. Oh, what a blessing. Oh, what an incredible opening His Son has opened up. And it's just all according to His great mercy. He goes on to say this. Listen, we got access to God. It's unbelievable. We have a relationship to God the Father through the Son that has all these blessings. He really is our God. And how do we get it? How do we gain this? How do we have such an incredible access to this God? Well, Peter rightly says what Scripture clearly teaches throughout. It's according to the abundant super mercy of God. Everything about God is huge. Everything about God is abundant. But you know what? If God didn't lead with mercy, listen, if God didn't lead with love and mercy, all of his other attributes are not to us. What does that mean? You see, God's justice declares that we're guilty. Every one of us have been born sinners. Every one of us has been separated from God. By nature, we are children of wrath. God's justice, when we are born, declares guilty. And God's wrath is justified. God's holiness does not smile upon us. And if it wasn't for the reality that there's a loving God and he leads with mercy, we would never know anything else about this God because we would be killed in a holy God's presence. But you know, our God is abundant with mercy. We are abundant with sin. Our life is abundant with foulness that needs to be cleaned And as abundant as our sin is, listen, his mercy is even greater. And he leads with that mercy. He leads with that love. And because he does, we have a relationship with him. Because he does, we have access to him. And the brightest of God's mercies, the brightest of God's mercies is his son. God is merciful to all who live. He lets the sun shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. He lets the rain fall on those who praise his name and those who don't. He gives air and the oxygen of lungs to those who will worship him and those who don't. God is merciful to all of his creation. But the brightest star of God's mercy is his son. And for those by God's grace who have found the son find life. Paul will say, Very similarly, in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. Quickly turn with me to Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. And Paul knows the reality that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. Knows the reality that we can only be made alive in Christ by God's mercy. And listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, abundant in mercy, because of His great love, which He has loved us, 
even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, God leads with mercy and so must we. We are. We made the TV on Friday. Channel 2 and Channel 6 covered a little story about how we're working on the Harmon House. And, and we're there showing mercy to one that we don't know. And because we were there showing mercy to one we don't know, it, it made news. As a matter of fact, I talked with a Channel 6 uh, a newscaster. And he says, why didn't you tell us about the Franklin House? Because we said we didn't want it to be about us. You know, it's about God. And here's the reality. We show mercy. Listen, we are called to do justly and to show mercy. That's going to be our whole mission's theme. Why? Because God shows mercy. We're here today. We feel his love. We can sing his praises because God shows us mercy. And he leads with mercy. Bono's going to be here for our missions conference. I knew how to wake you up. Bono's not going to be here for our missions conference. But listen, Bono, who just was at a national prayer breakfast and basically was telling the president and all the leaders, God's calling us to show mercy. He's calling us to do justly. It's out of God's word. And Bono is going to be on stage at Urbana, a big conference of Urbana, with Saul Cruz, who is going to be here next week. (laughs) Orangewood, Orangewood. God leads with mercy. He is a holy, perfect God without sin. And yet He abounds in mercy. And because He does, we can live and know His love. And because of that, we must do the same. We can't lead with judgment. Look at them. Look what they're doing. Sinner, sinner, sinner. If God did that with us, we're we're toast we got to be a place, and we got to lead with love and mercy. That's what our Father's done. Well, He led with mercy so that we, He caused us to be born again. We see this, this is our, our, our first birth, our natural birth, comes at the result of another. Psalm 139 clearly tells us that it's God is the one who knit us together in our mother's womb. God took uh, our father and mother and, and caused us to come together. We have nothing to do with our first birth. But as we arrive into this world, we have great worth because we reflect God's image. But when we arrive in this world, we represent the first Adam who fell. Listen, we arrive in this world with a dying hope. We're going to die. We're going we're gonna to fade away. We're, we're going to be sick. But because of God's abundant mercy for His who are chosen, those aliens that He set an unusual love upon, He says, listen, I'm going to cause you to be born again. I'm going to cause you. I'm I'm going to make it happen because you couldn't do it. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. But the love that I lavish upon sinners like us, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you the ability to have faith. And this is going to be from above. This is going to be heavenly. And this is going to give you life and life abundantly. In verse 23, uh, Peter would say it this way. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable and dying, but imperishable. This is life and eternal life and life abundantly. That is through the living, enduring Word of God. You see, when we are born again, we're born into a living hope. A living hope. Not just a hope against hope. We don't have to say, you know, I hope it gets better. I'm hoping against hope that my life's going to turn around. I'm hoping against hope that somehow, you know, uh, things will be okay. Listen, we have a living hope. Are you, are you, are you a Christian? 
Have you, have you been touched by this abounding love of God? Has His mercy hit your life? You've got a living hope. No matter what you're going through, you have a living hope. Why? Jesus lives. The reality that Jesus lives is the reality that our hope never dies, no matter what happens. We have a living hope. Not just for today, but also for tomorrow. And how is this all accomplished? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Without the resurrection, all hope dies. Without the resurrection, we we really were still in our sins. Without the resurrection, we're dead. And Paul says it so beautifully in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, you know, if, if we aren't united to Christ in the resurrection, and if Jesus Christ didn't really raise from the dead, then we of all men are the most to be pitied, and we're still dead. But he tells us this incredible mercy about the God who does abundantly show mercy and love through Christ Jesus. He says, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, and you have been united with him. And therefore, we have hope. No matter where you are today, no matter where you are, you, you may feel like you, you've lost it. Listen, there's hope. Your Savior lives. And not just for today, but there's a living hope for tomorrow, which we see in verses 4 and 5. You see, heaven is not just our final destination. And, and oh, the glory when we fly up yonder, that our name will be there. But we'll see His face. You see, heaven is not just our final destination. It's our greatest hope. Our greatest hope is to see Him. And Christian, someday you will. Someday we will see the face of the one who made us. Someday we will see his scars. It's a reality. It's a surety. You see, in the reality of the fact that we will be with him, that isn't just the end of the journey. It sheds light on the entire journey. It gives meaning to the whole journey. Someday we're going to be there. There's going to be no more tears. And someday we're going to be there. There'll be no more sorrow. And someday we're going to be there. We can just worship him unhindered. Someday we will be there, Christian, if you're his. He's not going to lose one. We have a living hope. We have an inheritance to obtain an inheritance. I saw a bumper sticker recently. It says, I'm spending my kids' inheritance. I mean, it fits perfectly along with his mindset. I mean, pay today. Who cares about the future? I'm spending my kids' inheritance. And mom and dad don't do that, okay? But it was Jesus. It was Jesus at the end of his life when he was with his best friends and he was gathering around and he was washing their feet and he was telling them some things that were going to break their heart and they're going to realize it even more fully in a few hours. And he was going to say to them things like this, listen, I can't be with you much longer. And where I'm going, you can't go, but one day you're going to get there. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you this comfort and he's going to come and he's going to make his home inside of you and the Father and I are going to send him to you and it's going to give you life. But I'm going to go. But I'm going to be preparing But as I go, I'm not going to forget you. Listen, Christian, Jesus says, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to forget you. I'm going to send one to comfort you. But where I go is I'm going to be preparing. I'm going to be working. I'm going to be working to prepare a place, listen, for you. For you. It's, it's, It's a personal place. I'm preparing a place just for you. Heaven would be absent. It wouldn't be full. It wouldn't be, heaven wouldn't be heaven without you. All the sheep the Father gave me, I'm not losing one. Not one. And they will have a home. And where I am going, you have an inheritance. Christian, we have an inheritance. I don't know what's in your 401k. I don't know what's in your retirement account. I don't know what's in your savings account. But you know what? Christian, you have an inheritance. You have hope for today and you have hope for tomorrow. And this inheritance is imperishable. It cannot rot. It can't rot. 
It's impervious to corruption. It's not going to fade away. It's undefiled. It's pure. Don't you want something that's pure in your life? I mean, haven't you lived it enough saying, God, could I have anything that's pure? Only in Jesus. Only in Jesus do we have this pure love that gives us hope for today and the reality of tomorrow and and, an inheritance that's pure. Why is it pure? Because Jesus is perfect. Why is it pure? Because he shed his blood for us. Why is it pure? Because we're white as snow in Christ Jesus. It's not going to fade away. And it's not going to rot. And it's pure. We have a living hope for tomorrow. It doesn't matter what the market does. It doesn't matter what returns we get on our investment. In Christ Jesus listen, it says this. It says, reserved for you in heaven. We talk a lot about it's Christ and his kingdom. It's not about us. We talk a lot about the reality that, you know, his glory is what's supreme. His name is what's supreme. But we can't miss the incredible love that he has for individuals like us. Reserved for you in heaven. With just our name on it. And you know, it says this, protected by the power of God. We, we need to hear this. This is a very important part of this because there's some here who say, Jeff, I am just so close to hopelessness. I can barely hold on. I can barely hold on. Okay, you're talking about hope, but it's a flicker. Here is the beauty and the reality of the gospel. And listen, this will, this will sing. This will sing. It's not about you. It's not about you even holding on. It's about him holding you. And it's the power of God that's going to make this a sure thing. It's not your power because I've seen us and we've lost the power sometimes. I've seen some of us say, I can't even hold on. I'm hopeless. I can't. And he's saying, but what I've begun, I finish. And you're mine. And I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go. It's his power, folks. It's all his grace. He is a great initiator. He's a great sustainer. And he's a great finisher. It's the power of God. Is it, did that, do you just want to say, thank you, Lord, for a hope that won't die, for a faith that is secure, and it's all through faith. And, and listen, even that's of God. We can't generate that on our own. He's got to give us, by his grace, a new heart, give us the ability to have faith. And through faith, we have a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I'm wearing a suit that I haven't been able to wear in a while. Something happened to the suit. I'm not sure if it's just faulty material or what it is, but in my closet, it shrunk. And really, just really only on one spot, it shrunk, right around the waist. And uh, so, and, and I was always, you know, kind of hopeful, you know, it's one of those things you put there, you're like, oh, you know, someday I'm going to get there, someday I'm going to get there. And finally, it's like, forget it, I'm taking it to get it altered, you know? And they're like, Mr. Jakes, wow, I hope you have enough material. And uh, they called me and said, Mr. Jakes, your, your, your alterations are done. You can come pick up your suit. And so I came down there, and listen, they had done all the work. All the work was done, but yet there was a time lag between when I could get there and when the work was completed. And they were waiting for me to go pick them up. And I came down there, and they said, they're all done. You can take them home. And I said, you know, should I try them on? No, you don't need to try them on. They're good. I said, listen, I'm going to try them on. Good thing I did. Need a little more alterations. (laughs) God tells us this. He says, listen. There's a salvation that's been secured that needs no more alterations. Think, but think about this, Christian. The work of Christ was sufficient. When he said, I'm finished, when he says it's finished, the reality was that everything that we needed for hope for today and hope for tomorrow was accomplished. Everything. There's nothing you can do to disqualify yourself in Christ. He's going to get you home. 
There's nothing you can do to add on to it. It's ready. It's a ready salvation. And when you, your heart stops beating, you're going to have it. Or when he comes back, we're going to have it. There's nothing that needs to be added on to it. It's ready for us. It gives us hope. Hope for today and hope for tomorrow. Listen, everything that was just said to you is proclaimed to you in this meal. This meal is a reality that Jesus Christ has come. And because he has come, we have a living hope. Through his brokenness, we are healed. So Christian, come. Come and feast upon Christ afresh in reality because He lives. So do we. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God. Oh, God. Oh, blessed God, our Father. Blessed God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how blessed You are. Blessed to lavish an abundant love on us. You are blessed because You led with mercy, not with justice. You are blessed because you have given us faith and you have caused us to be reborn. You have given us hope for today and bright hope for tomorrow. All through your Son. All because of your eternal love. All because of the work of the Spirit. And we thank you. God, we want to live like those who have hope. Would you use this meal to strengthen us to do so? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.